Tonight's episode of the Barrel Brothers Podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, so download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Dude, last night I drank probably a gallon of water mm-hmm. because of how salty that meat was that we had. All right, I need to stop you right there. <laughs> I, I meant, I didn't want to come off as like, you know, like, well, it's been a long time since we dated, but you know, like you got home and you were like, should I text him? I had a great time to send the other on my yeah. way home. I almost made Hannah hold the wheel so I could text you that that pork butt that you made last night was one of the best pulled pork, shredded pork barbecues I have ever had. It turned out pretty good. I was happy. I'm happy pretty, with the rub. Pretty good. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sad that we, we didn't get to bring any home, but we weren't going to leave you high and dry without barbecue. Dude, there's plenty of it. I, I left know. a pan on the counter for you. You know me. I'm not just going to go into people's stuff and fix plates for myself. Hey, but I've already told you. I already gave you the go ahead. I know. If, if I came over to your house and you said, hey, man, half this pork is for you. You bet your ass I'm leaving with the pork. <laughs> <laughs> well, and at the same time, my child was being unruly. So I think we were more focused on getting him into the car and out of your hair. So oh, he wasn't that bad. Dude, he was a. <laughs> you put he on Monster Zinc in the back and he's cool. Yeah, he was yeah, he was fine. He had a juice, he had his movie, he was good on the way home. But yeah, no, that we had pork tacos. Your pork tacos last night were so good. Oh my god. But to rub it in your face a little bit, I there had, we go. I had more pork tacos for lunch today. <sighs> They're just as good. I mean chicken strips. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like my blood pressure has gone. Who cares? <laughs> You're the father of a little girl. Just wait. (laughs) That's true. What is up, my whiskey drinkers? My name is David Parker. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Brian Athey, and we are the Barrel Brothers. To all of our listeners, wherever you are and whatever time you may be listening to this, we want to sincerely thank you guys for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Tonight, we are super excited to have our friend Jerry Rogue. I feel like I'm pronouncing that right. Rogie. Rogie. Dang. He is from Willie's Distillery. I think he's the national sales manager. Uh, he's he came on tonight to talk whiskey out west with us. Jerry, how the hell are you, man? I am absolutely glorious. Road trip in northern Idaho at the moment. Um, selling Devil's Brigade whiskey, one of our new releases, um, of which just hit the streets here in Idaho in the last few weeks. So it's perfect timing. It's uh, it's fun. It's what I do. I sell whiskey. That's right. <laughs> I can think what of a, uh, living. <laughs> I can think of a few worse jobs. Yeah, I've had a few of those. <laughs> uh first things first jerry tell us kind of what your role is i know you said you're in sales but what your role is specifically at willie's and how you kind of got into this business 
Well, actually, I, technically at this point, I have two roles. I'm the operations manager and the national sales manager. Um, the majority of my time is spent as the national sales manager. Um, at one point, when I got recruited to Willie's, I was the general manager. Um, but my history has always been in sales, whether it's been in banking, whether it's been in the brewing industry, um, or the restaurant and food and beverage industry. I've always done sales of some nature. Um, so I'm really happy to be in a sales role. I, I enjoy talking the talk, walking the walk. I, you know, just selling stuff and having a good product you could stand behind and be honest about your passions. I, I think it just comes out in, in good salespeople that they would buy the product too. They would eat or drink or whatever, consume the product too, um, all the way down to car salesmen who would drive the car they sell. I mean, same kind of concept. So tell us a little bit about Willie's Distillery in general. Veteran owned and operated, right? Yep. Um, so we are... It's basically a husband and wife team. We've been in uh, operation for a decade now. Um, so it is truly a veteran owned and a woman owned distillery. Um, it is really cool. We're in a town of 900 people. It's uh, Ennis, Montana, E-N-N-I-S. It's on the Madison River. And Madison River basically feeds right out of Yellowstone National Park on the west side. So we're probably 45 minutes out of Yellowstone National Park in a town of about 900 people. And we employ 28 to 30 people, um, which is kind of a big deal. I mean, if you look at any of the back of our bourbon bottles, those handwritten notes you see are actually handwritten by an individual on the bottling line that day. And considering in a small space and the amount we sell, we're pretty happy and proud to be able to employ that many people and be able to produce as much as we do in the small space we do. And we all love living in Ennis. And I think it's just incredible to keep, you know, the small town feel alive and keep that many people employed 30 people for a craft distillery. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, the, we run into problems with parking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, awesome. literally the, the distillery is on main street. Main street is a, a federal highway. So <laughs> oh, wow. you cannot go from Bozeman and fly into Bozeman and go towards Ennis on your way to Yellowstone without driving past the distillery. There is absolutely no physical will. Almost no physical way to do it. I mean, if you're staying on a paved road. And the front of the building looks like a like an old saloon. Yes. You know, that building's been around for a very, very long time. At one point, it was, I believe, a gas station, um, kind of a fill-up mechanics type of place. I think at one point they put a subway in there. It's it's an old building. It's been around for quite a while, so it's got some history. Hell yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it, it kind of looks like it at times, but uh, we did our best to remodel it. It produces some amazing whiskeys and we're, we love it. So you and I have been communicating back and forth for the last like one and a half, two months time. And the minute you mentioned devil's brigade whiskey, I was all about it. I read up on the story, which badass story. The bottle mm -hmm. looks awesome. I mean, props to whoever designed your bottle. Cause they should get a race. <laughs> so, Again, it's a, it's always a team effort at Willie's. I mean, Robin Blazer and Willie Blazer own it, husband and wife. The brains of the operation, I'll clearly say, is Robin. So it is a woman-owned distillery. Willie couldn't do it without Willie. I mean, this is his little brainchild here. So background on Willie. Well, Robin actually grew up in a small grain farm in southwest Montana. So she's got some business sense, some roots in Montana, kind of the, a, a grain knowledge, if you will. Um, Willie came from the, the military. He was uh, Army. Uh, Green Beret and Ranger. He was a smoke jumper at one point out of Missoula, you know, jumping out of airplanes, putting in fires. 
And then he also ended up going to special forces. So he was in the special forces as a medic in Afghanistan. So he has this obviously great debt and, and affirmations towards the, the special forces and all those guys and gals. So what he wanted to do is kind of give back to them. I mean, obviously we have multiple products, great cream liqueurs, a Canadian whiskey, a bighorn, a, a moonshine, a honey moonshine. But this one specifically wanted to give back to those who give, which are, in this case, the special forces uh, team members of the United States military. So the history on this, literally the Devil's Brigade is the first special forces unit created in World War II. Uh, they were called the Forcemen back then, as, as they were known. And they were literally a volunteer unit. Uh, it's created in 1942 in Helena, Montana, at a place called Fort Harrison. And they were true volunteers. A lot of these folks that joined were not even in the military. Some were, but a lot of them were um, trappers, game wardens, loggers, just people living off the land who knew how to live off the land and ended up being 60% Americans and 40% Canadians. Helena is pretty close to the Canadian border for all those who don't know. So that actually makes a little bit more sense. And every, all these people wanted to do their part for the cause for World War II. They were so concerned, the military was, about spies in the midst that they actually sent them into this location with uh, blacked out windows on the buses. Um, <laughs> so these folks didn't even know where they were. They knew close to where they were, but not exactly where they were. And in theory, behind the scenes, they were pretty much set up for what the military expected to be somewhat of suicide missions. They didn't train for an incredibly long amount of time. They were given an incredibly hard tasks. Um, and sent out to Germany to go kill Nazis. And the way they accomplished that task was they had a main weapon of choice, which is hard to see, but it was a knife. It's on the front of it. It's called a V-42. That V-42 at the bottom had a skull cracker, and the top was a, basically a black stealth dagger. And so they would wear this on their side in a, in a leather sheath and sneak in at night with blackface on and literally just sneak in, kill some Nazis, put a death card on their chest. That death card looked somewhat similar to this. It was the USA, Canada. And then on the back said, I apologize for everybody actually speaks German. Das Dicke on Kamp Notch. The worst is yet to come. So it was the epitome of psychological warfare, right? The Germans had no idea what the size of this unit really was. All they know is they were waking up and their buddy was dead with this crazy card on his chest. Um, so the Germans themselves nicknamed this group of assassins, if you will, the Black Devils. And that's literally where the name started to come from. Not only the logo of the Black Devil, but the name Devil's Brigade it came from the freaked out Germans calling us the Black Devils. Um, so it's a really cool story. The What we've done to match some of that is since it was created in 1942 and the Knights of the V-42, the ABV on that is actually 42 instead of your typical 40 for a, for a bourbon. We matched the troop profile of 60-40 to 60% of our American Bighorn bourbon that we make here in Ennis uh, with 40% of our Canadian whiskey. And so that's the, the spirit blend. And then to top it off, on the back of this bottle, we do give 10% of all proceeds on all the spirits in, ad in addition to any merchandise, uh, which you can buy on our website, www.williesdistillery.com. Uh, <laughs> That goes to the Special Forces Association, Chapter 28. That is the Devil's Brigade chapter. So Willie himself spent a lot of time making sure this was done properly, the design was good, and it was approved by the Special Forces. And really importantly, the, the surviving members and families of the original Devil's Brigade. If you ever do get to see one of these bottles and look on the back, 
we have handwritten what batch number it is. This is batch one. Here says Frederick. That was Colonel Frederick, later becoming a General Frederick. Um, Colonel Frederick designed the team, put the team together, and also even designed the knife. Um, I heard at one of the big battles in, um, a, geez, I believe it, was, believe it was Italy. But anyways, they're having trouble getting up this mountain and figuring out how to attack the stronghold of the Germans. And it was the Colonel himself who hopped in that plane to do the aerial recon to figure out how they were going to get up that hill. So it's an incredible story where we just got to thank Willie for put, you know, staying with it, staying on target. And it, it did pay off quite recently. We just won the SIP 2021 awards for both the gold consumer choice tasting award, the gold medal in design award and a special innovation award. So we're pretty, pretty happy to get a triple sweep there at SIP awards on the devil's brigade whiskey. Is the, um, the Canadian whiskey, is that Willie's make that you blended it with, or is that someone up in Canada? It has to be somebody in Canada. Um, otherwise it's not legally Canadian whiskey, just like nobody in America could make a scotch or a champagne, right? It'd be a sparkling wine, not champagne, same concept. So by law, it does have to be a three-year-old Canadian whiskey made in Canada to be Canadian whiskey. Um, so we have a three plus year old Canadian whiskey from Canada. We have a partnership with, uh, you know, somebody up there who distills it for us. Otherwise it can't be Canadian. Uh, we obviously proof it down though. We do use our own water. Um, that's, always the secrets in the water, right? I mean, it's a, we're using a, what, a million year old aquifer or ever, however old that water source truly is. I think it's really neat. I mean, our, if you ever get to visit the distillery, I think part of the neat part is seeing our Rick house, our Rick house is full top to bottom. I mean, we, we really have that thing cranked in full. It's not your typical big boy Rick house where you can walk down the aisles and rotate the barrels. I mean, you really got to move things around in an intense way to get to the back. But you compile that with different size barrels, right? They're not all 53-gallon barrels. The smaller the barrel, the, it's going to age differently, usually fairly quicker. So we have a variety of sizes, a variety of locations. And then Montana obviously has some pretty extreme weather changes. During the summer, it could be 100 degrees in the evening, and it could be literally 32 degrees or snowing in the morning or at least frost. So you can get 80-degree swings in a day. And that temperature and pressure change in, within the barrel warehouse really pushes it in and out of the wood. One side is the south side gets all the sun. Backside does not. Obviously, cold on the bottom in the back of the warehouse is going to be colder and age slower versus the top towards the front. And you put all that together, and we just got to give props out to our production team who understands that flow, that product flow, and how to put, the, put that all together to get a consistent product. That's wild. 80 degrees in one day. Yeah, I can't tell you. Like people will tell you if you ever visit, bring your layers. Because if you don't, you're gonna be bummed. I, mean, I thought I thought Virginia weather was temperamental, but Montana sounds pretty pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, the crazy part's the hottest part of the day is like four or five PM. Not oh. not noon. So you'll wake up cold and next thing you know, you get on the river and you're like, it's, it's going to be nice. And then the wind will pick up and it'll rain and then that'll go away. And then by the afternoon, you're like, I am sweating. It is hot as can be. It's a hundred degrees outside. <laughs> so um, if I'm not sure if you've had a chance to listen to any of the other episodes, but for, for me, um, what I love to hear about are the, the logistics pieces of this. Uh, mainly cooperages. So do you guys do everything in-house? Do you source? Or can you walk us through that? As far as the barrels themselves, we we definitely buy them from people that do that for a living. As much as we would like to have a cooperage on site, um, we just don't have the room for it. 
literally. <laughs> There's just no way. Um, we're going to expand our barrel warehouse as our first prime goal is to age more whiskey. Um, I, we, we in a perfect world would make our own barrels too, but we do not. So we don't have one certain um, company that we go. We, we definitely companies we use depending on availability, sizes, resources, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we rely on the experts to <laughs> send us barrels. <laughs> yeah. And, um, how about level char for barrels? What, what do you guys typically fall into? What range? You know, I'm not completely comfortable telling you what char level we use. I don't sure. know if everybody else does, but without the owner's permission, I wouldn't, I want to, I mean, we're consistent. We use the same char. Understood. Um, but yeah, that's probably part of the part of the secrets to char level. Sure, sure. So our, to our listeners, if you want to break in and, and into a secret uh, cabinet and find the char level written on a card, <laughs> feel free to let us know what it is. <laughs> so, something tells me with Willie's JSOC background, it might be a little bit more difficult to find than that. <laughs> yeah, if you break in and you find a Blackhawk landing on your house, don't come looking at me. <laughs> yeah, Jerry had nothing to do with that <laughs> rooftop extraction. <laughs> So Willie's, Willie's makes a Bighorn bourbon, a vodka, a moonshine, of course, Devil's Brigade we've talked about. And then they have a bunch of different liqueurs, right? Yeah. So take you through the flight here. I mean, the Bighorn bourbon, it's, it's, I'd say it's the employee favorite. It's one of the favorites in town. It's at one point I could have definitely set our flagship, uh, but it's definitely as out of state sales grow. Our cream liqueurs have really just, skyrocketed i mean we have a coffee cream liqueur that's outstanding and a huckleberry cream liqueur the original huckleberry cream liqueur um which is actually purple i know i've seen some come out that are not that's delicious i mean the amount of things you could do with that when it comes to especially kind of dessert drinks things like that it's just it's kind of unlimited it's just delicious whether you're a guy or a girl i don't think it matters there's a lot to do there um we the grain bill we use for the bourbon is actually the exact same gro- grain bill we use for our moonshine, our clear yeah. moonshine. Mm-hmm. We then just don't age it. We distill it a few more times, basically. Nice. Okay. That actually ends up being one of my favorite products. To me, it tastes like tequila. It has a really kind of agave-based flavor profile. Um, I personally can't drink tequila. I will fight you and myself. I'm just <laughs> tequila. Do not mix. But I, but I love margaritas. And so... I love making a spicy spicy margarita out of our um, moonshine. It's also amazing to infuse. We do a lot of infusions um, around town and and the tasting room. Um, One of their favorites, uh, at least mine, is a pineapple habanero infused moonshine that obviously the Bloody Marys and the um, margaritas that come out of that are just exceptional. (laughs) Um, it It is, I'll be honest with you, a tougher sell nationwide because you really have to explain it like I just did. Sometimes put a drink in their hand or taste it. Um, a lot of people nowadays don't have the best impression of the word moonshine. They think of uh, just a cheap corn whiskey, basically. Yeah. And that's not necessarily the case, obviously, for everybody who produces those. Um, so I, I would like to have it more places than I do. Again, I'm the national sales manager, so I sell in every state other than Montana. Um, but it does pretty well in Montana. It does great in our tasting room and the local bars. Um, the honey moonshine is a different grain bill. The reason the honey moonshine is actually not a whiskey um, is we literally add molasses into the mash right on top of the grains when we mash it out. Um, another neat process there that's fairly unique, well, not unique, but it's, it's unique to us, is that we then move the entire 
mash into a fermenter. And then once that's done in a week or so, whenever it's done fermenting, we move the entire mash into our still. We don't, we don't uh, filter out the grains. The grains and everything are distilled up through our Bavarian Holstein still, which is a copper pot with a combo column. So we have kind of the combo pot and column setup. Um, this honey moonshine then actually ages in, uh, it's a combination of new oak barrels and used bourbon barrels. Um, once that process is done and we put those together and what we consider our, our, our regular profile for the honey moonshine, then we actually add local honey at the end of it. And that uh, local apiary is from probably, I don't know, 45 minutes to a, an hour away from us. Um, so we have local honey that literally goes right into the, the moonshine. And it is, it's only a 35 ABV. So it's a, it's not as much as your alcohol as your average 40 of your bourbon. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just incredibly smooth. It, it's crazy. Sometimes if I, I've had enough bourbon one night. I, I, I you know, I'll, I'll fish with a little of this in my flask. Um, it's incredibly smooth. It's not overpoweringly honey. And again, it is true, real honey. And just that little 5% off. I mean, it's, it's, it makes it not only smooth as is, but really incredibly versatile for cocktails too. Now you've mentioned you like margaritas. You like, uh, you drink some bourbon. What is your favorite Willie's product? That's impossible to say because uh, <laughs> I have such a diverse background in food and beverage that, I mean, I, I have a really big beer background too. So I beer, I brewed for Stone Brewing Company, Ballast Point. I installed ah. brew, I installed brewery, uh, actually breweries themselves for a manufacturer called Premier Stainless for a few years at breweries around the United States. And whether you're looking at wine, beer, spirits, I'll, I'm going to use beer as the analogy here it's hard to always want the same beer year round. Sometimes you want a stout in the winter by the fire. Sometimes you want on a hot day, that cool lager. And sometimes you want something malty and sometimes you want something hoppy. It's the same for spirits. And that's why it's so nice to have such a wide variety of willies. Um, the, the devil's brigade's kind of taken over because it, it, it appeals to both the bourbon drinkers and the, um, and the Canadian drinkers. It's, I don't want to say it's in the middle. It's almost enhances both of them. You still get the the spicy, big boldness of a bourbon, but the smooth smoothness of a Canadian. Sure, it's amazing that we've converted some Canadian drinkers to Devil's Brigade and some bourbon drinkers to Devil's Brigade. I find that fascinating. Um, the Canadian does come in a handle, which is always kind of nice. <laughs> that was our contribution to COVID, in addition to hand sanitizer. Nice. Um, our choke cherry liqueur is probably one of the most unique liqueurs we do. Uh, choke cherries are actually local to the area. We actually do pay people to go pick them. Um, when it comes to harvest time, we're fairly picky, <laughs> pardon the pun, about you know quality of the berry we get. But a lot of people haven't who haven't had a choke cherry, like before I ever had one, I didn't think it was, I thought it'd be sweet like a cherry, just this sweet cherry, but it's actually fairly tart. And we distill it and macerate it on, well, like at least macerate it on the entire um, pit on the inside. Mm. So the flavor profile of that liqueur is actually a little tart and nutty, <laughs> which ends up being delicious on the rocks or neat, however. But in lieu of a vermouth and any type of Manhattan style drink is just beyond outstanding. So being a national sales rep, are certain markets easier to get into than others? And where I'm kind of going with this is... Um, Again, if you've had a chance to listen to us before, you kind of get and understand our disdain for uh, Virginia ABC. <laughs> so so uh, is Virginia anywhere on the list next for distribution? You guys going to hook me up? 
we can for sure try. <laughs> hey, we'll, we're working on our end. Send us uh, some cases and we'll go to local ABC stores. <laughs> so obviously there's two concepts, two, two models, really three technically, but we're just going to go with two. There's the uh, three tier distribution states like California. And then there's the control states such as the North Carolinas, the Montanas, the Utahs, the Idaho's I'm in now. Each has its own benefits, um, good and bad, so to speak, advantages, disadvantages. The nice thing about a control state is everybody's got a shot. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just buy your way in. Everybody's on the book. If you're in the book, you know, with the bourbons, you, you know, the Jim Beams and the, the smaller than us and the Willies are all in the same book. Um, you can pay for an ad in those books, which is, you know, very affordable. So it kind of evens the playing field. But then the, the real challenge is once you get in the book, how do you get people to actually order it? If you could get it in a liquor store, how do you get people in the restaurants to actually order it from the liquor store? If you get it in the restaurants, how do you get somebody that's sitting at the bar to actually order it? That's, that's the trickle down game we're playing to actually be successful and to stay a listed product in any given control state. Um, same concept with any big distributor. You know, a lot of them have a very wide and big depth of a um, portfolio. Um, we're not the only bourbon they have. So when you have 50 bourbons, how, how do you stand out to, yes, they finally got it on the shelf somewhere, but how do you get it to the consumer's mouth and that consumer to order another bottle? And that's the game you play in every single state. And that's the game that every control state and distributor wants a game plan on from the distillery to help them get through that hump. Because mm -hmm. not one person can do it all. And so that's literally the challenge. I mean, we've had a lot of luck in North Carolina. Um, and I think that's a lot to do with the military mm -hmm. groupings there. And the presence, yeah. requests they've made to the liquor store. The liquor stores request that up to the state. And finally, the state's like, all right, let me contact <laughs> Willie's Distillery. Okay. Because if we go the other route and just contact control states, it's kind of like contracting a distributor a lot of times. They're like, well, why should I do business with you? How can you even prove it's going to sell? Right. So it's always kind of the cart before the, before the horse. And it's, it's, it's a tough thing to manage. But the more the demand is there, eventually that dam breaks. And either the state or the distributor is willing to play ball. Then I usually, like I'm doing right now in Idaho, then I go to market. Um, hopefully with some, some local reps on the ground, but if not just by myself and you start knocking on doors and saying, Hey, I just drove here from Montana. You now have our product. This is what we got. I was hoping you'd carry it. You describe it. Fortunately with this devil's brigade, it's such a darn awesome story and a good product. Willie's made my job fairly easy on that front. <laughs> but when it comes to products like moonshine and vodka, it is not that easy. Right. Well, and I, I wish Virginia ABC would would take a look at this more of the story behind it. I mean, it's all yeah. here, man. Like you can take Devil's Brigade, such an awesome story, and it helps that it tastes good too. Bring it to Virginia. We have a huge military presence here. It's, yep. it's Virginia, the East Coast. DC's right there. So of course it would sell. But it's all about numbers with Virginia ABC. Yeah. Yep. It's about numbers and most of the control states, you know, they're they're not overstaffed. <laughs> they don't have a bunch of people that sit there and want to listen to me. You know, they're, they're, they run a tight ship. They're crunching numbers and they're doing their job and they want to go home at five. And they, you know, every, for every one of me, there's another 500 of me who want to tell a story about a product that they want. So, so-and-so to carry. Yeah. So yeah. they can only do so much. I mean, it makes sense. This is, this is our first time talking with someone on the, on the push side versus the make side. Right. Yeah. 
we normally talk to distillers or owners. I mean, we've talked to a few craft distillers in Virginia who kind of just run the whole show. Willie seems like it's a little, maybe a bit bigger operation. What are your thoughts on the current bourbon market specifically and how crazy since COVID it's just exploded? Well, I mean, it, it's, I think like any product that's, it all comes down to supply and demand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's supply chain issues across the nation in all industries. Um, shipping's gone up. It's harder to find drivers, evidently. Um, I hear crazy stories that somebody can't buy a fly fishing boat to sell in an auction to raise money for a, to save a river because of the ice storm in Texas. <laughs> like, huh? So like the ice storm in Texas caused a resin shortage, which is hitting a boat producer who's trying to sell a boat in Montana. I mean, it's just crazy how all this connects, right? Yeah. Um, all the way to shipping across the, you know, uh, Pacific Ocean, getting backed up at the ports in San Diego and Long Beach. Um, I mean, it's just all so interconnected nowadays that the bourbon's the same way, right? Because you're looking at, we need wood, we need barrels. Do they have people to work for them? I haven't, I haven't heard yet that they have a shortage of employees in the barrel warehouse or the uh, cooperages, but it doesn't mean they don't. They're right. not, may, might not be advertising it. Um, obviously, there's a huge problem finding employees in food and beverage. And, you know, I'm going to bars and restaurants and they're like, oh, we appreciate, we'll carry it. Can you find us a bartender? And I'm like, no, that's not part of my portfolio. But Jesus. Uh, and it, I've, I've been to places, even in Idaho, where they're like, we offer free board. We'll let them stay here for free. We just can't find people to work the resort. And I'm like, you live on a, you're by a lake and a river in Idaho and you're having an employee problem or shortage or however you want to phrase that. And I'm not telling you the the reasons behind it. I'm just saying it's, it's interesting how all this is, is combined. You combine it with COVID and all these different situations going on. And everybody now thinks, well, maybe not thinks, but they're, they're starting to understand a lot more of them. They could work from home. They can Google how to make cool cocktails at home. A lot of those cool cocktails are bourbon, rye-based. Um, one of my biggest successes at Willie's Distillery on out of state is online retailers. They'll send it to your house. <laughs> They'll send it to your house with a cocktail card. You could now Google our YouTube channel and see how to make certain drinks out of our product. And all that combined together is, all right, gas is more money. The restaurant has no employees. I'm just going to support my local distillery, get something shipped to me directly and make cocktails at home and get a job I can work on a laptop. I mean, you put all these things together and it makes sense that the bourbon markets increased because it was already moving in the upwards direction. Sure. Mm-hmm. Even though the on-premise has dipped nationwide, the off-premise has skyrocketed to make up for that loss. So where do we go from here? I go back to that's why I need more storage space to put more barrels and more whiskey in. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad problem to have. No, it's a great problem to have. And and then you come down to, well, that project's going to cost a little bit more than we thought it would because evidently the cost of wood is skyrocketing. Yeah. I mean, you, David, can't, you can't get away from this, this connection. Like yeah, 100% David, increase. <laughs> yeah. Would you pay for a piece of, uh, would you buy the other day that was 75 oh. bucks? Uh, four by eight half inch plywood was $71. Right. One just sheet. think how much wood you're going to use on a warehouse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. So um, you're noticing due to that, I mean, all the, everybody in the supply chain is slightly somewhere, probably raising their prices. 
Right. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Which I mean, that's, I guess by definition, that's inflation. Now in your, um, in your tasting room specifically, what kind of age demographics are you seeing? Cause whiskey, I guess, traditionally is an old man's drink, but are you seeing more of a change to younger, younger people coming in? Yeah, no, that's a fascinating question. And I also get a lot of feedback from our Montana sales team who goes out and does a lot of tastings. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's almost gotten over the last five years. You can't profile anybody. You can't say, oh, that's going to be the whiskey person. That's going to be the, the huckleberry cream liqueur person. Like one of my favorite stories is the, uh, this, you know, I'm a, I don't want to stereotype, but a long haired biker Harley guy came up with his hot girlfriend. She got the whiskey. He got the huckleberry cream liqueur. <laughs> I mean, you just never know. It's like right. whatever you, you know, I, I, and I think that's a healthy thing. I, people aren't scared to just drink what they want to drink. They're not stereotyped in their own mind to be like, oh, I should be drinking this for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And if you, you know, our, our tasting room is a true destination distillery. We are on the path to Yellowstone National Park. So on any given summer day, especially you drive down Main Street, which is the highway, the amount of different license plates. I mean, every single one's from a different state. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you don't see anybody from Montana. And the ones you do, they're, they're the actual employees who are lucky to find parking. I mean, everywhere from Colorado, New York, to the Dakotas, to California, Oregon, Washington, Utah, Idaho, it's Florida, Texas, they're all coming through here. I mean, Yellowstone National Park for one reason, small country town with great fishing for another reason. And then right over the hill, we have Virginia and Nevada City, which is an old mining town that saved all the old buildings. It's just cool as can be, which mm-hmm. is a, I believe it's a national landmark or a state landmark. I mean, it's it's super cool. So they'll come in all ages. We've seen probably... More people come in since COVID, and the more and more people buy more per person dollar amount since COVID. Um, in the state of Montana, you can only buy per person per day X amount of liquor. You can only get two bottles legally. Um, so it, it's not like they're buying more booze, but they're buying, buying like more hats or you know some of our non-spirit stuff. Like we started chopping up some of our barrels um, after they're used, and we sell them in the tasting room. Well, some of those, we started chopping them up and made smoker bricks. Um, mm-hmm. We age coffee in bourbon barrels and sell bourbon barrel-aged um, coffee beans and ground coffee. We sell bourbon barrel-aged maple syrup. That's one of our popular items. Uh, we just rolled out a barbecue rub um, with some bourbon in it. Um, so a lot of those new additions to our portfolio, obviously, has contributed to people buying those trinkets and, and cool things for their well, for themselves or forever they're giving gifts to on their way home. But yeah, you cannot say one person's going to drink one thing. It's just incredibly cool that <laughs> you're just like, here's the menu, dude, whatever you want. And you'll be in half the time you're surprised. Yeah. If you ever get to see our tasting room, the whole back wall are patches and those patches are just donated by um, customers who have come in and they're usually somewhere between military and first responders. So we yeah. have everything from like, LA sheriffs to Oakland police department to patches. I wonder if we're even supposed to have on the wall from (laughs) military guys that uh, let's just leave it at that. I mean, it's just the coolest thing to see the collage of these patches all around the back of the tasting room and starting to spread out. If you ever get to see our tasting room, it's a, it's, it's a little history museum of for the most part military, but a lot of just historical Montana, some moonshining, um, some of Willie's history too. It's just, I mean, you could just get lost drinking, having a sip of whatever in our tasting room for hours, just looking at the walls. 
So yeah, in fact, the, uh, the, the door that separates the tasting room and the restrooms, this old ranch style stained glass came from Robin's family's ranch. Oh, brand you, okay. brand you guys have on your hat, that round mm -hmm. thing that's Willie's logo. Sure. I mean, the amount of people who have told me what that is, who don't know, are some of the funniest stories because I've been told, well, Willie's in the military. It's got to be a hand grenade. No. Um, a bomb? No. Oh, it's one of those things those, cat, those cowboys used to use and put their whiskey in when they rode on the horses. And I'm like, no. It's actually a cattle brand from Robin's family. That's a brand that went on animals. That's so sick. Yeah, and they called it so the Jug sick. brand. Yeah, so that's the Jug brand that is now the uh, obviously the brand of Willie's Distillery. Very cool. Yeah, David and I are suckers for anything that have that has an amazing story behind it. And this this is another one of those. This is another one of those for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're proud of it. We're, I mean, again, props to Willie and Robin for putting all this together. They didn't come with a but they came with no. We used to run a brewery of distilling roots. You know, he got out of the military and she got out of the the private sector that she was working in, and they wanted to start their own business. And after a lot of research, they said, "Let's try something really difficult. Let's open a distillery." <laughs> And started from scratch, you know, they were doing the distilling, the sales, the accounting, everything. Slowly produced more and added more employees. And here we are at 10 years later in almost 10,000 cases and 30 employees. And we're in all 50 states in one fashion or another and rolling out an awesome product like Devil's Brigade on Veterans Day 2020 in the middle of a pandemic after we crushed it by helping out everybody we could in, in the local county as first responders by giving them free hand sanitizer. Mm -hmm. um, we it's, it's amazing what we do and what, what Willie and Robin do for us in the community. So you mentioned that um, you guys are looking into building some, some other barrel aging warehouses. Where do you see Willie's five years from now as, as far as, you know, where you guys want to take this business? Yeah. Well, I mean, my, my initial quick answer is we're just going to expand on what we have. I mean, that's the obvious sure. short-term goal. Sure. Um, but if we were to say double in production, triple in production, I mean, we'd, we'd have to find a different site. Um, we're, we're geographically restricted where we're at due to the fact of we're on a federal highway in a small, narrow, old West town. Like <laughs> we have neighbors around us in every direction. We can't, and I don't think they're gonna always all get up and sell and let us just make a conglomerate super distillery. No, I don't know if we'd want to. I think it'd kind of spoil the character of the downtown. Sure. Um, so we'd look for another site. Um, we'd want to stay as close to Ennis, Montana as we possibly could. What's the uh, the closest, I guess, big city, Bozeman? Bozeman's the biggest. It's uh, mm -hmm. depending on what side of you go to, 45 minutes to an hour, probably from Ennis to the airport, you're probably an hour. And any thoughts of moving, you know, maybe making a tasting room there? Or No, I mean, they, they have several successful distilleries that are good friends of ours already ah, in the Bozeman area. So we would, um, I, don't, I don't think that would make much sense. We'd rather, we'd rather them drive to see us. It's only 45 minutes and it's a gorgeous drive <laughs> up the Madison river. I got to ask you, I know a lot of our listeners are Yellowstone fans. I'm sure park? you no, the no, show. The TV show. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm sure they're probably fans of the park too, but um, I'm talking about the TV show. Do they do any shooting close to you guys? I am not the right guy to ask this question. <laughs> I have uh, I don't know where they filmed. You're the and I've sales never guy. It. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know they are actually are filming a movie in town right now and it's based on Lewis and Clark's travels. So we see these guys in oh, okay. costume coming in all the time. They're, they're filming a movie in Ennis um, or the surrounding County. 
Um, I hear a lot of people who are in like West Yellowstone or Big Sky tell me about they met so-and-so who's on the cast of Yellowstone. Uh-huh. So they're around, but I don't know exactly where they're doing it. Gotcha. We need to get Kevin Costner and you guys linked up. Yeah, bring him on down. Let's uh, let's, <laughs> let's drink some whiskey. Because we have Kevo. Kevo we I'll, I'll promise him not to you. talk about Waterworld. Hey. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> Just throw the whole thing out. <laughs> That's awesome. The only reason I say that is I had a buddy that ran into him and he said that movie sucked. And evidently Costner said, Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that guy, man. I Dances with Wolves, baby. One of my favorite movies. That's a good one. And we uh, you know, we of course we did our homework and we I saw on the website that that you like drinking to John Denver. Is that right? Me? Yeah. All right, country roads. I'll drink country yeah. roads. <laughs> that's on the on uh, Willie's website. It says that you, that's your favorite song to drink to. I don't think they let me put my real drink in there or my real my real band. I don't think it fit the brand very well. Ah, okay. Well, now we got to no, know I who's the band. John, John Denver. How can you not like John Denver? <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I mean, if you if you don't sing along when you hear country roads, then you need a whiskey. True. True. That. That's a good point. Let's say you live in a world without Willie's, right? Willie's doesn't exist. What, what kind of whiskey are you drinking? I know you are a man from many backgrounds, but you know, this is a whiskey podcast. So whiskey, your desert Island whiskey, you know, what is it? Hmm. That's a really tough choice. Well, this is a tough podcast. I really, uh, what was it? Is ever here? The, it was a uh, rhetoric. What was the name of that company? They they went around and bought up old old stock from distilleries and they blended it themselves. Ah, okay. They had a gift horse. They had a rhetoric. Rhetoric. It was, it was some high end, but pretty rare. And I ended up working at a pretty cool place that I was able to gather a few of those. Um, I apologize. I can't remember the name of those right now. Orphan Barrel. I think it was Orphan Barrel Project. So they went around getting these orphan barrels and they'd blend them themselves. And they ended up being like 20 year old whiskeys, bourbons. Um, they were all fairly well aged and they were just yeah. spectacular. Whoever their blender was or mixer was outstanding. Um, Holy I feel like I've heard about that. Holy right. Lord. Orphan barrel. Okay. So I just did a quick Google search while you were talking about it, Jerry. Uh, Drizzly, Caskers and some other online retailers have uh, the 20 year rhetoric for five hundred dollars see i got good taste that's right <laughs> wow <laughs> but see now that's funny that's actually as long as you're just talking whiskey in general so you know when i was brewing for stone brewing company in ballast point that was san diego california and what was the name of that conglomerate uh where you can go bevmo mm-hmm. yeah bevmo used to have the bourbons in this little locked glass yeah. And that basically meant it was more than 30 bucks. <laughs> and there, there wasn't a bourbon more than 50. And to this day, I, nobody believes me, but all my first pappies I bought out of that and not one was more than 60 bucks, but everything I bought that was in the 40 to $60 range was super expensive. Then mm-hmm. the EH Taylors, the, the stags, like all those, when they came out back then, this boom hadn't happened and people hadn't realized what a good deal bourbon was and what the quality was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And some of those I still have in my collection. Listen, listen to Jerry talk about some of his first pappies. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Get out of here, man. 
Yeah, I yeah, think for five years in a row, I did that uh, San Francisco Whiskey Fest. Yeah, okay. That, that was either late, at what, early 2000s, I think it was. And back then, the actual family, the, the Pappy folks were there. They were pouring it. And it was the to the point where family. they were like, yeah. oh, do you want to try something really good? Because like once you let them know you had a palate and you, you understood what you were drinking, they'd be like, okay, well, let's try this one. I mean, I don't think you could get to do that anymore. No. Without paying for some not. crazy VIP pass. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the secondary groups just sort of to keep a pulse on, you know, what's kind of going on and what's expected for bottles in the secondary markets. And it, you know, stuff that retails for 30 to 50 is going for four or 500 times that I just, I don't know. I'd rather that money go back actually, you know, to the distillery and to the employees at the distillery and not line somebody else's pockets because they're just greedy. But that's, that's one person's opinion on the internet. Yeah. I mean, I obviously, as you can tell behind me, don't have a shortage of whiskey. So I don't, <laughs> I don't buy and sell on the secondary market. Um, I love what Willie's offers and I honestly don't buy any other alcohol <laughs> other than beer and wine. But so I'm I'm not sure what David I'm not sure what site or um how David got the bottle um of Devil's Brigade. Shots box, you got, right? Okay. Yeah, shots box. Shots box. Because you guys have um Rancho Liquor listed on your website as one of the distributors. Yep. Um and I know you guys provide the products and stuff like that. Um, but shipping just whew, yeah, you know, they're not directly affiliated with us. It's a sure. it's a three-tier system. Mm -hmm. So we go through our distributor in California, then the online retailers buy it from them, and they do what they do. So obviously every state's going to be different on what they charge, and depending on how many you get, it's going to be different. I know at one point, Shotsbox was, for like Christmas, I bought two bottles to send to California for a couple of my friends, and it was, if you met a minimum, it was a flat $15 shipping, but they were in California shots box so yeah but if you want to talk shipping you could talk about the bane of my existence as soon as i think i have something priced right and include the shipping then you realize shipping's gonna yep so now the the, the distillery itself is not making the money it should or any company that has based the price of their product based on what it costs to ship it out right and that's so, a problem industry-wide i think right now yeah ranch rancher rancher rancho has, um, so to get Bighorn and Devil's Brigade to my house, uh, it'd be an extra 60 bucks for shipping. Yep. And, you know, some of them pass along the full cost. I bet some mm -hmm. of them absorb part of it. Um, I know in the, just here at the distillery, we had a, I think it was a Mother's Day special at the tasting room. And it was free shipping if you spent X. I think it was 60 bucks. I might, don't quote me on that. Easy. But, <laughs> but, those, but again, that's not spirits. Montana law, I can't send you alcohol from the distillery. So right. that's the hats and the shirts and the whatevers, the merchandise. Um, but you are, you're on to the hot topic of shipping that drives me insane. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, there's um, outside of the hat and the, the signs that you sent us, um, thank you, by the way, because those are hanging lovingly uh, on the next to the bourbon shelves. Um, I think the best shirt I have ever seen is on your website. Uh, and the quote on the back of the shirt says, this ain't no pansy ass city whiskey. Uh, <laughs> your mom. <laughs> that one, the green hat 
the green sideline hat and a couple other things might be shipped to my front door relatively soon. Cause <laughs> I think anybody who's anybody needs to wear that. This ain't no pansy ass city whiskey shirt. Cause that's, that's awesome. Yeah. We sell, uh, we sell quite a few of those. Now, uh, Jerry, before we let you go, um, I know you guys said that you, but some of the, the bottle sales and the merchandise from the devil's brigade goes to a veteran organization, right? Yeah. Right now, 10% is going to SFA 28. So that's special forces association chapter 28. Um, if anybody looks on the back of the bottle, it actually has the website link for you right down there at the bottom. Right. Okay. See, um, Brian and I decided to take the month of, of May to dedicate to veteran owned distilleries. So, uh, we've talked to a couple throughout the country and they work with various organizations. Is that the only one that you guys work with or any others that you guys, you know, contribute? We, I mean, we work with a lot of them as far as donations or events or special okay. things like that. Sure. Um, I mean, Willie's, he's got a network. I mean, Warriors of uh, Quiet Waters, I believe <laughs> is pretty, pretty integral. I mean, there's the list is long. Okay, cool. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I don't really have any details on that, but I know we accept those requests all the time. And, you know, run that by Willie himself, because he half the time he knows a guy, a guy who knows the guy who knows the guy. And, you know, it's a small community in, in the military, especially the special forces side of it. Very small. And yeah. we, we make sure we always send those requests and that information that his eyes can see it. No, I wanted to run something by you real quick, Jerry. So uh, David dropped off um, my portion of, of Devil's Brigade <laughs> and I, I poured it while I was cooking dinner. Uh oh. And I took a smell I, as soon as I it hit my nose and David's going to make fun of me because this is, you know, he said this snack was phased out as he was growing up. Crunch and munch butter toffee. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it tells me you ate way too much of that as a child. For one. <laughs> That's true. Uh, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's definitely toffee in here. I mean, I get the toffee. I get that kind of caramely toffee. Mm-hmm. What I've noticed when I taste, it's usually my first nose that's mm-hmm. the most unique, whatever that is. I mean, I might I might pull up something. I'm like, that can't be the case, but it usually is. Usually, your first impression on your nose is it's going to some part of your brain sure. that remembers something. Yep. It's a history of smell. Spice cake and was another one. What sponge cake? Spice cake. My grandmother, my dad's mom, used to make a hell of a spice cake with like a. a cream cheese icing. And that, that took me back to her kitchen immediately. Wow. That yeah. is really fascinating. That is that's cool. A, that's a happy memory. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, that is cool that uh, good memories came from your first smell and not, not anything else. You got that <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you what the mash bill is. Cause you probably won't tell us, but um, that's correct. <laughs> I, I can sense. Can you at least, can you at least confirm that there is a, a higher than normal barley in there? Well, the bourbon itself has to be 51% or more corn. Right. And the Canadians are typically very high in rye. Okay. So all the difference in that will be malted barley. Brian and I were talking before you came on and um, he, Brian's like, hold on, wait a second. And he pulls a bottle of monkey shoulder scotch off the shelf and then he smells it and he's like, yeah, I get a lot of monkey shoulder in this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, that's interesting. And then I smell the barley, but in a good way. Barley? I don't really like scotch that much, but monkey shore does it right. So it's a, I think it's a good, it's a good mix of barley and I'm not a huge barley fan. Yeah. As we've been sitting here talking, uh, I should probably stop because I'm going <laughs> to run out sooner than later. 
<laughs> I mean, you're right. It's it's a hell of a product. It's an easy sipper. It's an everyday sipper. Um, and this is something that I can and will recommend to friends and family, new new and old seasoned drinkers, newbies. Everybody could pour this either campfire, winter night, summer day. It's perfect. So please pass our sentiments back along. I certainly will. I appreciate you guys reaching out to us. And on behalf of Willie's Distillery, we thanks, thank you for your support and spreading the, spreading the good word. And obviously the more bottles that do sell um, helps me keep a job. It keeps our employees a job. But more importantly, I just feel like we're actually doing something good and sending some money in the right direction. Yep. Back, to the, back to that nonprofit of SFA 28. Agreed. That's all about man. If we can get, if we can get you guys in Virginia, it'll it'll catch like that. Hey guys, this is Dave and Brian from the Barrel Brothers podcast. I'm not sure if you guys knew this or not, but Virginia was actually the birthplace of distilled spirits in America. And for those of you listening in the Richmond or Central Virginia area, we encourage you guys to get out and support our ever-growing base of craft distilleries. In particular, if you're looking for a great day out in the country, we encourage you to visit our friends over at Three Crosses Distilling Company. Yeah, and actually, David, our friends at Three Crosses Distilling Company are a family and veteran-owned craft distillery right in the village of Powhatan in Powhatan County. They're creators of multiple award-winning spirits, not to forget their highly decorated American whiskey. Their tasting room is a throwback to the classic neighborhood gathering place. Give Three Crosses a try. They'll quickly become one of your favorite hangouts. Also, don't forget to let them know that the Barrel Brothers sent you. It's Lotto Month. That's right. Um, and Virginia ABC actually had some pretty cool stuff for the Lotto. And I'm just trying to pull up my notes so I've got this right. And there were, um, I think there were four of them this time, right? Yes. So um, Weller CYPB was one of them. Uh, for, for the record, I struck out on all four. David, I think you struck out on all four as well. Yes, sir. And for, yeah. for the listeners who don't know what CYPB is, it's a crowdsourcing type yeah. thing, right, Brian? Garbage. So it's CYBP stands for Craft Your Perfect Bourbon. And that's exactly what Weller did. It's just a crowdsourced pour. Um, that for whatever reason goes for like six to $800 on the secondary markets. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me at all. Um, so they had 28,000 entries. They only had 249 bottles available. Struck out on that one. They had a William LaRue Weller, um, WLW this time, 28,000 uh, entries, 209 bottles available. Um, let's see who else was on here. Uh, they had a Thomas H. Handy, Sazerac Rye, 382 bottles available, Twenty about 27,000 entries. Um, and then the last one, I believe, is... It's the Weller Single Barrel, right? Yes, sir. You got that right. So 28,471 entries, 360 bottles available. So I'm going to take a different approach because I'm always so negative. And if any of the lotto winners are listening, congratulations. Uh, drop us a line and we'll send you the address for some samples. So send them our way. <laughs> <laughs> but just know that we hate you. <laughs> Secretly. But no, I mean, that's any bourbon at retail is, is a good experience. So if it's not me, I just hope it goes to people that actually want to enjoy it and not flip it and make a, you know, a stupid profit off of it. Yeah, true. I agree. I don't, I don't like that sentiment 
where I lose to someone who's just trying to flip it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sit too well in my crawl there, but um, just the resale prices on some of these things, like the the Thomas handy, I think the last time I saw it was a thousand bucks. I mean, it's you like a hundred dollar retail bottle. When we introduced this lottery a couple of weeks ago, that was the one that I picked out. I was like, that's the one, if I could win, that's the one I want to win. Yeah, for sure. And surprisingly, it had the least amount of entries, 26,782. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I think some of that has to do with folks out of state um, being able to get their hands on it readily and buying, you know, two or three, keeping one and selling two for, you know, 300 times what they spent. Um, so I'd, they're out there to be had, but again. I, and that's in that's in the I antique just, collection, right? Yeah, that's a part of the antique collection with uh, Correct. with a uh, eagle rare. I think eagle rare is in that collection too, right? I'm not sure. I'd have to double check on that. Like on Trace's website. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of these bottles are to be had in the secondary markets. So it just if you really do want to pay that much, I mean, that's on you. Um, but I just I feel like the chase is so much better. I and I've actually the last two lottos. Last two rounds of lottos, rather. I've had some. I've had some fun doing it. Um, and and thanks to David trying to have me take a more positive approach on things like this. It has. It has. It's been. It's been kind of cool. So, see, this is a positivity podcast for one. So, <laughs> no, uh, no haters. But I just feel like it. It makes me feel better when I have a positive outlook on things. Sure. Even if you know, I I'm a realist too. So I realized that the likelihood that I win something, probably not there, but I'm going to stay positive, just like I did with the Blanton's gold. Yep. I looked in that email and I was like, yeah, buddy, I won. <laughs> so it, it's also the law of averages, I think, like all things being equal. But so there, I think there's one more this year. Um, yes, in May 26th. So, so a week from yesterday. Yeah. So rock hill farms is one of them and i think that's one you've mentioned before not only that parker's heritage mm-hmm. uh heavy char is going to be available uh blanton straight from the barrel and one of the most highly talked about pours lately for whatever reason <laughs> the old forester birthday bourbon so Would, wouldn't that be cool if brian got it right before his birthday that would be sweet that'd be awesome but I, you know, again being a realist and not so much a pessimist, it, it, it could happen, and I wouldn't rule it out, but I wouldn't necessarily count on it if I were a betting man. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, those go for all, all four of those bottles go for big money on the secondaries. Um, and I think winning a lotto, you're almost obligated to open it because what's, what's the odds that you're going to strike gold again? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think I had my, I don't think that I had my, Blanton's gold for longer than 24 hours before I opened it. Well, and to your credit, you tried to hold off as long as you could. And then you were finally like to hell with this. I got to try this. <laughs> or maybe I, maybe I did hold off a while, a couple of days. Yeah. I think it was like a week or so, maybe almost two weeks. And then you were like, no, 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 no. Cause we were recording one night, I think. And you were like, I got to do it. I got to open it. My hands start shaking. I was getting, you did. Off. You were like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> If yeah, I, I, mean, I can sense if there's something on my cart that has not been opened. It's like a like a, a spidey sense, if you will. You got ESPN? <laughs> ESPN. What movie um, is that from? Is it Mean Girls? 
Yeah. So you so. got ESPN? You can read minds? <laughs> I, I don't know. Don't fact check me on me, girls. All I know is that line's nice wig. What's it made of? Your mom's chest hair. <laughs> I think Blanton straight from the barrel would be cool to get from that collection or from that yeah. from that from that uh lottery, but I think I'm still Rock Hill Farms is still my number one pick. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read a whole lot up on Parker's or Rock Hill Farms. Maybe that's something I can do some homework on this weekend. But um, the pony on the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, side note, you I, were uh, was I with you yesterday when you made the comment of me having a hard time opening bottles? Yes. So I didn't necessarily take that to heart, but it gave me something to think about last night and today. Well, you should have because it, it was meant for the heart. Oh, no, no, I know. <laughs> um, and it was with nothing but love and affirmation, I'm sure. But there's a lot of stuff here that needs to be opened. So right. we are like, recording right now, Brian. So that, that I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. The segment. Go ahead. Yeah, you came up with it, man. Let them right. let them know what so, what could be coming. So that it will be coming because <laughs> I'm frankly personally offended by all the bottles you have in your collection you have not opened yet i know i know so we're going to start implementing a segment called uh brian's weekly pick more affectionately known as brian drink your damn bourbon yep i like that so brian has homework every week not only on top of the bourbon that we're or the whiskey that we drink that week but also he has to drink a new one that he has not opened from his collection so not to make things worse for myself but just on the top of the mini fridge that's in the media room bourbon room whatever you want to call it i have oh one there's probably a month's worth of stuff here that i wouldn't have twice that's just on the mini fridge (laughs) so (laughs) did we come to the conclusion that store picks are off limit for right now like do i have to open those bottles i think i I think a store pick is different i think it's okay yeah, I think we can wait on that maybe um, to follow up on a pack that we made before mm-hmm. about not buying any bourbon. Brian and I have stayed somewhat true to that. <laughs> I had to, uh, we had to buy a bourbon for the, this week's podcast. So we had to buy the the uh, whiskey from Willie's Distillery, but that was for the podcast. Yeah. So I think the loophole on this rule is that if, as long as you say it's for the podcast, then it's okay, right? Yep. So now we're just rationalizing our addiction. Got it. It's healthy, right? <laughs> sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> but yeah, there's some, um, so I think if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Virginia ABC allocated Old Forester 1920, the Prohibition style. That makes my heart hurt, man. It just, it's, I don't. And you know what else is flying off the shelves? The mid to lower shelf Old Forester 86 proof and 100 proof. The squatty bottles, they're starting to become harder and harder to find. For $22 and $24, I think that might be worth doing a taste test. Yeah. So we, Brian and I, saw the writing on the wall kind of before it happened. So we loaded up on uh, on OF, not to be confused with Old Fitzgerald, but... Um, I think we should do a lineup of Old Forester. I think so too. So I want to get all, those we other have all two the products, minus the birthday bourbon. Yeah. Well, and so I'd I'd like to do. There's 1897 
18 what's the other 1897 18 I, I don't know the dates on them i know the color of the labels <laughs> so right and then there's 1910 and 1920 and then there's those other two lower to mid-tier shelves for 21 and 23 bucks or whatever they are and so, if you mix 1910 1920 a lot of people say that 1915 is where it's at yeah I've heard a but lot I've, of good things about mixing 1910-1920. Like 50-50 mixture? Yeah, blend. Okay. I take it like half and half. Yeah, we can look into that. But since there's like five pours all together, I, I'd like to do that one night. I'd like to start on the low to mid-tier stuff and then take it all the way up to 1920. And, you know, if I could find a single barrel, the blue label for reasonably priced, I'd get it to add to that lineup. But I'm not going to spend $150 to get one of those. You have a single barrel. Not going to open that one. That's a store pick. That's a president's pick, actually. Sorry. Not to be a dick about it, but (laughs) yeah. I don't know if that's ever going to get open. (laughs) Get out of here, man. Same thing with the Corona Lisa store pick and the uh, Provs pick, the Zach Morif, the the new riff that he has. That's one of my favorites. Shout out to Provs picks, by the way. Yes. We need to get so actually I sent Prov a uh, a few messages and he seemed to be all in to be uh, on the podcast. So we should well I'll reach to him again and try to get something set up. That would be cool because I don't think we've had anybody on the podcast from that side of the industry. Yeah, right? like a, a store owner, like a liquor store owner. Yeah. Well, and like he's not just a store owner; he's like the guy for I mean, he's barrel picks. Like, if you were to. If you were to put somebody as a connoisseur, like yeah. that's him. Yeah. But we we have not thus far. We've only interviewed distillers. True, for the for the most part, we've interviewed some friends and stuff. But it'd be interesting to get his his point of view from the from the liquor store sales side. Yeah, and I know DC is a completely different animal. So I would you know I wouldn't mind picking Prop's brain about that. And um, Travis spoke so highly of of Prop too. Yeah. So I, I think um, Travis from, from Smooth Ambler, uh, I, I think we should, we should make that happen. Um, and I'm going to, I mean, I don't know if Prof's listening or not, but um, Prof Seraf uh, at West Dupont Wines on Instagram. Um, I'm going to pull up their website real quick. You can find um, pretty much whatever you want on, on their website at pstreetwines.com. Um, they ship to Virginia. And, you know, I got to tell you, the packaging that, that his folks do is uh, bar none. I mean, you can't go wrong and deal in confidence, um, anything related to Prov. You can even find his store picks online, too. So there's a drop down under spirits for uh, Prov's picks. You got you the get, uh, the new riff from them, right? Yeah. The, the, the new riff store. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's also got a whole bunch of other. Um, props picks that are pretty cool i mean he does scotch whiskey bourbon rye um smooth ambler picks the listeners the listeners out there if you guys can get your hands on a uh prop store pick of the new riff Mm -hmm. do it yeah however if you can get your hands on a just a regular single barrel rye from new riff it is it'll blow your pants off it's outstanding I can't speak highly enough of that particular bottle. Yeah. And I'm, I am like, I have to actively tell myself, do not drink this because <laughs> I, I wanted to stretch out a little bit. 
I might have to order that then. It's amazing. I mean, if you're okay. if you're a rye whiskey fan, hundred percent buy that bottle. Okay, well, good to know. Good to know. When I was in Tennessee, I think it was definitely under sixty. I don't remember how much I actually spent for it. I think Prob actually has it for fifty bucks. Okay, I think well, it's yeah. on sale. That's yeah. reasonable. Yeah, we should. I mean, we should take a road trip up there. You keep saying it, man. I know we could we could do that in a day. Yeah, for sure we could do that in a day. We could go to Smooth Ambler in a day. Oh, that's true too. If we left early in the morning, got there by noon. Yeah, drank a little bit of whiskey. Hung out, or we can make a weekend of it. Like go Friday, Saturday, come home Sunday. My parents live in Lexington. That's true. That's what forty minutes, 30, 40 minutes from there. Door to door is like an hour, but if you drive fast, okay. There's no one on sixty four, anyways. True. Uh, something we need to consider. So, but outside of that, man, I think that might wrap it up for this week. Yep. Um. Guys, uh, until next time, folks, please drink responsibly. Don't drink and drive. And remember to hydrate, okay? If I have learned anything from my time in the military, it's that water is, in fact, a cure for everything. Ryan, can you agree? (laughs) Yeah, dehydration is no fun. (laughs) Virginia is heating up a smidge. I think it was like 85 today. Uh, All bourbon and no water might sound like a good idea in the moment, but you'll be hurting tomorrow, my friends. yeah hydrate before you dehydrate um but you know like we always say um make make smart choices make good decisions call a friend call a cab call an uber um and if there's one thing you take away from us uh it's drink what you love and love what you drink hey guys this is dave from the barrel brothers podcast are you interested in commentary for the average golfer if so, head on over to the First Tea Jitters podcast. That's the First Tea Jitters podcast, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.